back, or if you're a first-time listener, welcome aboard. I'm your host, Aiden, and this is The Push-Pull Factor, the podcast where we hear real migration stories from real people. Hope everyone had a great week, and I'm very excited to be back on your airwaves, delivering yet another episode, and this week I'm pretty excited because we're traveling to Nigeria. I'm pretty ecstatic to get this one on the books because... You know, we're representing one of the largest and most popular diasporas in Africa. And my guest, actually, I found her on YouTube. And I came across her channel, watched one of her videos, and I was like, I need to get her on. The content really aligned with immigration and migration and what I'm really trying to do on this show. I thought she'd be a great fit. I was keen to get her on. And really get to know the real immigrant experience in Canada, because I feel like we get a lot of stories based here in the U.S. We don't get to know, you know... The cultural nuances of Canada, because while the cultures are very similar, you know, not everything's apples to apples. Not everything's a one-to-one comparison. But yeah, if you want to learn more about Lola, you can check out her YouTube channel and Instagram profile in the show notes. But our conversation spans a lot, and it goes beyond just her migration journey from Nigeria to the UK and then finally landing in Canada. We talk, you know, conscription and required government service in some countries and what you get to do. We get a very humorous account on outdoor activities in the U.S. that people, you know, different outdoor activities that people like to do. And overall, just, we have an informative conversation. It's, you know, we get into the real gritty part of migration and, you know, get a little insight into some of the administrative things and some more structural hurdles. But, you know, a broad conversation, but still some things that are specific to Canada. And Lola is hilarious honestly her insight on everything is real and every topic we came across she was so entertaining and informative and you know she really leans on some of her personal experiences and all of the knowledge that she has about the immigration process and immigration in general and i'm excited for you guys to hear this one so without further ado Here with me today, I have Lola Black, an educator, an African heritage instructor, and a fellow content creator. How are you doing today, Lola? Hi, Aiden. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing pretty great. I'm pretty very excited to speak with you, and I'm very excited to get Nigeria on the books for the podcast. I feel like it's a you know, very big diaspora. I, I went yes. to I grew up in a community with a, like a lot of Nigerian people, a lot of Nigerian pride. So I'm also excited to like uncover your story. Right. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Of course. So I guess we can start with highlighting where you currently live and then where you were born. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm currently in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Um, I live most of my life in Nigeria. I was born in Lagos, Nigeria. And I've only been in Toronto for um, almost five years, five years in June. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's like the area where you're from in Nigeria. Is it like famous or known for anything or just like a regular um you know. so i was i was born in lagos lagos is very okay. popular it's like it's almost like the new york of okay. the united states yeah but my my um my hometown is in uh the south south region of nigeria so i'm from edo state so looking back to your upbringing in nigeria i guess was there always kind of this de- desire to migrate to other countries within either in you or like your family or your peers or not really? No, actually, <laughs> I, I, I don't, I mean, at the time, right, it wasn't a thought, you know, it wasn't really something that was always there for me. Um, I remember when I was 13, though, I always had this idea to, you know, want to study food technology. And for some reason, I always thought I needed to go to China to do it, <laughs> but I had no idea where in the world China was. <laughs> I just knew that, you know, a lot of food products came from China and I thought I needed to go to China to study food technology. Um, but yeah, it wasn't like I, was, I always craved for, you know, the life abroad. So what happened was after my university in 2012, um, I got an opportunity to go study for my master's degree in the UK. So I went on to University of Sunderland to study a master's in public health. And it was right after my master's, I also got the opportunity to come to Canada. So um, yeah, it wasn't like it was pre-planned, but I sort of like, 
always knew that there was this thing adventurous about me that you know I just wanted to travel and see the world I guess so but it wasn't like I was always itching to you know go to places or anything like that it just happened and that makes sense like the opportunities kind of just lined up and you're like exactly. I want to do that I want to exactly. live in the UK I want to live in Canada yeah yeah that makes sense so I guess before your time in the UK had you been outside Nigeria at all no no um my the the first time I traveled outside of Nigeria was in 2014 and that was that was yeah so I, I lived all my life in Nigeria um I and even in Nigeria I didn't travel too far out um I didn't go to that many states we have 36 states in Nigeria and I can count how many uh, states I visited throughout my life in Nigeria on my two on my two hands, right? So um, I didn't travel too much. So leaving Nigeria for the first time um, at that age in my early twenties was a huge shift for me. <laughs> so yeah, it was. It was... When I came to Canada in particular. I know you said there were some just opportunities that lined up, but. Was Canada ever on your mind? Was there something about it that like made it exciting, or was um, it just like okay, next this is the next step? So what happened was, um, I was actually, I had two options when I wanted to, you know, study for my post grad. Uh, I I had an offer at the University of Saskatchewan in Canada, um, but I decided to go to the UK instead because it had less requirements, and at the time in two thousand and fourteen. Trust me, there were not that many people coming to Canada. And so like the UK was more like the popular, you know, place to go to. And I had a lot of friends from university that we had just graduated a year before then, um, who were also going to the UK. So I embraced the UK. Um, I mean, there were other reasons why I chose the UK, but I think I, by the time I was done with my master's and I returned back, um to nigeria i was starting to see clearly why the uk wasn't the right opportunity or the right place for me so in the same space um i had my my sister who had who i had not seen for i think at the time i had not seen her in like eight years um she yeah she was here in canada and that was like the driving force for me so after living abroad and seeing how like how mentally exhausting it can be um, to live in a place where you you don't have family, um, I just started to realize you know the importance of having family in a place. So um, my sister was definitely one of the um, motivate motivations for me to come here because she's been here. She was married. Uh, she had she had a a son so like I I had family I knew I was going to be all right I knew I was going to have the support that I needed to settle as compared to the UK so yeah that was that was why I was excited about coming to Canada that makes sense so you had some roots you had a bit of a social network down in Canada exactly yeah already established yeah so actually probing a little more on the UK thing was there like anything that made you not kind of love wanting to stay there? I know a lot of people, they don't, they go to school in one country, they're like, I need to stay here. But was it more so you wanted to go to Canada or was it, or did you, like, you couldn't care about the UK really? Um, I didn't care about the UK much. I, I, I just knew that it was a place I needed to be at the time. Um, and I think the, the government, the immigration system, the way it works in the UK is so different. It doesn't even make it easy for you if at all you want to stay. So at the time when I finished my postgrad, they had not started the new immigration program for students where you can actually apply for a postgraduate work visa. So at the time when your visa expires, you have to find a job that would sponsor you to remain. And that was just how you could remain after studying. So um, I didn't have a lot of time left on my visa. So I knew I had to return. But I was also applying for another postgraduate um, studies in another university, which I got by the time I returned to Nigeria. But I thought that exploring immigration um, to Canada was a lot better for me, seeing the opportunities, because at the time, um, 
you know, immigration in Canada started to boom, right? And considering that I had my family there in the first place, the idea of, you know, maybe this could have been my first choice. If I had come to Canada in the first place when I had the opportunity, maybe I wouldn't be concerned about, you know, like, you know, building my career somewhere because after returning to Nigeria, uh, I I wanted to do more, (laughs) you know, after seeing the outside world, I wanted to do more. And I didn't feel like at the time Nigeria provided me the opportunity to do those things that I, I really wanted to do. So Canada was the choice for me, and I'm 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 glad I came here. I feel like there's a purpose for me here. I'm loving every bit of it. I mean, most of it. <laughs> it's not rosy here, to be honest. Like being here has its challenges, but I would say so far so good. Um, I'm young and I'm taking advantage of every opportunity that I get. So. And I think it's good to make the world your oyster, but... Yeah, I agree. Actually, to probe a little more on some of those challenges, I guess, what are some of the the harder parts about living in Canada? What have been some of the more difficult parts about your transition as an immigrant? So, mm, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very... I don't know where to start. So, I'll just tell you my story. <laughs> so, when I first that came... That works. Yeah, so because I had lived in the UK before, I just thought it was going to be the same living here in Canada. And that was, um, I think, a mistake I made because at the time, there was really nothing that prepared me much um, on coming. Because, I mean, if I hadn't traveled outside of Nigeria, outside of Africa before, I could have maybe put in more effort into researching about you know living in Canada and this is one of the reasons why I actually became a blogger so that I can share you know you know um, my lifestyle and content around you know living here in Canada as a new immigrant and how you can survive and you know successfully immerse yourself in the new you know um, new environment so when I first came I I wasn't I would say I wasn't mentally prepared um the preparation i had was basically the preparation my sister gave me you know when i arrived Mm -hmm. so i came in the summer and summer here is super hot as compared to the uk summertime in the uk i don't know if you know much about the uk weather but the weather is just really all over the place they have a lot of you know uh rain and um winter is there's really nothing wintry about the winter <laughs> sometimes. It depends on the type of year they are having. But the coldest they ever got in my city where I lived, um, which was a small university town, uh, Sunderland, was minus four degrees. And trust me, I thought that was cold. And then in the summertime, it would get to, say, 26, 28 degrees. That's, that's you know, compared to Canada, where it actually gets up to, you know, the mid-30s, you know. And so I came, I mean, I live in Nigeria where it gets up to, on a good sunny day, 33 degrees. So coming here in June 2016, landed in Just, Just to quickly, was, just for, for my American listeners, 33 Celsius yes. is about like 90 Fahrenheit. <laughs> I'll, oh, I'll do okay. a, a quick, a quick Google for myself. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah. I, I, am, I, I had to search for myself. <laughs> Thank you. I don't, I don't even know the conversion. So, yeah. We're the okay. weird ones in America. <laughs> Americans are different. You guys are cut from a different cloth. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I landed in Toronto in June 2016. It was super hot. So it was it was very good for me, you know, as a black woman. I, I loved the sun. I embraced everything. So I, I kind of, like, had a honeymoon stage at the time. Um. I started volunteering. I was I, I didn't have any problem interacting with people or making friends, especially since I was already uh, connected to my sister's contacts, right? Um, so her friends became my friends and all that stuff. So it wasn't so difficult for me um, to to build that sort of close connection. Although I didn't have my own personal friends, but yeah, the challenge came when <laughs> the winter came, right? 
So it felt like I had left my bubble from June to November because November was my birthday. And so I was excited until after November. And then it started to get really cold. Um, I think reality started to hit me. Um, I had to learn to dress differently. I remember that year, the coldest it got was minus 24 degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. <laughs> Would you want to check? Uh, th that's negative 11 so yeah pretty okay pretty cool. so that yeah so that was really cold so for someone like me who I, who had never been in that type of cold weather that was that was very depressing for me and um i think that when everything slows down you just start to think about what you really want to do with your life you know i'm in a new country i never really sat down to think about you know um what I needed to do to advance in my career and finding work, everything was hard. Um, so yeah, the challenge is now finding work, um, settling down, um, dealing with the weather, my mental health was deteriorating. Um, I started to stress out over things and then I started to have um, ulcer episodes and it was just, it was just really crazy. I was, I, I sank into depression very quickly and um as someone who lived most of her life in africa i didn't really understand what it meant for somebody to be depressed like i, I know being sad is normal um but I, I i think i i got the real definition of depression in my first year in canada and that was something that i didn't realize that i would be battling with but it was a real thing for me and then i started to go to therapy and what that really helped me to do was to dig into parts of my life that I didn't even realize <laughs> were like concerns for me, you know, learning how to communicate because being in a new country, um, there's a style of communication. Um, there is, I mean, I, I realized very fast that people in Canada are very sensitive. Everybody has an opinion. So you have to be careful what you're saying and how you're saying what you're saying. And the truth is I was being treated differently as an immigrant when I go to some places because I remember one of the places I was volunteering because um, I was looking for, I was trying to build my Canadian work experience. One of the um, my fellow volunteers would treat me badly because I didn't know how to do certain things, right? I didn't have the skill to do certain things. And when I would go to them to, you know, teach me how to do stuff, they would, you know, just look down on me, you know what I mean? And I would feel, I would just really feel a type of way. And um, yeah, it was just those types of things. And then, um, the good thing was I didn't have to struggle with, um, you know, I didn't have to struggle financially because I lived with my sister, right? So immediately I came, I was sheltered. So that was something I feel like was very helpful um, for me. And then I, I settled down quite okay after about a year and a half. And um, it didn't take me too long <laughs> before everything start, started to shine brightly. And um, I just said, you know what, I have to be, I have to be a light for people who are facing the same challenges. And so I decided to take content creation seriously. I started to advise people and I'm like, you know, I have to take my YouTube channel seriously. And yeah, just share my challenges and encourage other people who, who find themselves in similar situations when they arrive as, as new immigrants. I think it's one very powerful that you overcame that and then two that you want to like share that light and help others and you know use your story to inspire brightness I really appreciate that yeah thank you but I want to probe more on like what you you know opened up about, about like you know really learning about the dimensions of mental health for the first time in Canada yeah. I want to ask do you think it's like a cultural stigma do people feel like mental health doesn't exist back home or like therapists not really a job people would get Hmm. Um, I definitely think that yes, there's a there's a cultural there's a cultural piece to it. Uh, of course, the stigma is there. Um, but because I I I have a background in public health, I knew that there was a possibility that I could be facing 
um, mental health challenges. And for me, because of where I was, I didn't feel like I needed to be embarrassed to talk about it. It felt normal, right? Um, I think the problem with people um, not being able to talk about how they're feeling is still like it goes back to the, the whole idea we've sort of like we have like a, I don't know if I should say a concept or um, we've sort of like formed an opinion about mental health in Africa that's not correct and um, the truth is we all go through it and most of most of the time we're just in denial and it's just really important for us to just be honest and come to the truth that you know this is how I'm feeling and I may need to I may need to seek help professionally. It doesn't mean that you're going crazy or anything. It's just a normal thing um, um, that people go through. And it really, really helped me to deal with aspects of my life that um, I didn't even know was a problem. And the benefits of me facing my mental health um, challenge then head on was, is the peace that I have now. And, um, it just really it just really opened me up it felt like I was released I don't know how to say because back home you're not allowed to speak so much especially for me I'm the last child of six <laughs> I'm right? the youngest so too <laughs> you are you're the youngest yeah, okay yeah. so I'm the youngest of six so I listen more than I spoke right so speaking about feelings is not something that I was used to doing and that really helped me to have a conflict resolution style that was more passive aggressive right and so when i'm telling you that i had ulcers i was dealing with a lot of stress what that does is just builds a lot of stress in your like internally you have a lot of internal stress and for me i was just always like a ticking time bomb i'll be going through so much and i'll just you know suck it all in and then one day poof i just you know i just blow up and that wasn't healthy. And those were, you know, parts of the things that talking to someone helped me to resolve. And now I can feel some level of displeasure and I'm able to respectfully talk to people about how I'm feeling without, you know, being aggressive or without, um, without fighting or do you get what I mean? So, yeah, it's just it's just really something that's really helping me even in my marriage today when i tell my friends that me and my husband we don't fight it's like it's like is this is that normal is that healthy that you don't fight but that's not we don't fight doesn't mean we don't have difference in opinion right but he's a mental health and addictions counselor <laughs> so you see he has a great um style of communication he doesn't like stress he doesn't embody stress he doesn't give me stress so whenever there's, you know, something that we need to talk about, we just talk, you know, we can say, okay, I know that you think differently about this. I think differently about this. Okay. Where can we, you know, reach a compromise or what can we do from here? Where can we go from here? So those are the types of conversations that we have and they are so healthy and therapy helped me to do that. <laughs> So I would say, yeah, um, for me, I feel like I sort of like looped past the cultural um, bias, should I say, or the stigma that comes with, you know, mental illness. Yeah. That's really powerful. That's a very important skill. I think a lot, a lot of the world can take away from some lessons with that. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you're shifting over to, you know, your, your YouTube channel, the content you created. So was there like a specific moment that prompted you to start or was it something that you always you know maybe toyed around with doing you watch youtubers or like what made you like, grab the camera and just like you know start recording that one day right so i, I actually um after my my postgraduate studies in my in public health i wanted to go into digital public health so basically using uh, the media to educate people almost like say infomercials what infomercials you know are intended to do you know so i wanted to just use the media as a sort of public health education and that was the purpose of my youtube channel when i first started and when i started it wasn't even intentional i've always like 
I've had um, this whole, I've, I've always felt like being creative is innate for me. And so it just comes out. And so the first video I ever posted, I was just, you know, hanging out with my friend who, who uh, visited, you know, Lagos. I hadn't seen her in, in, a few, in a few years. So we're hanging out together and I was like, you know what, let's make a video. And so I woke up one morning after I had started a project that wasn't working. It was a public health project, but it wasn't working. And I had exhausted all of my savings, you know, trying to pay people to edit, you know, for me. And I had run out of money. So I woke up one morning and I said, it's time to learn a new skill because I was upset. Like, OK, if I'm not able to do this for myself, then I, I don't know how I'm going to get funding for this so before i left the uk i had uh, created content where people were where people tell their told their stories um, on video and you know those stories were supposed to like influence people to make uh to change their behavior more like you know healthy behavioral habits type thing so um i was trying to edit those videos and that was where all of my savings went so when I wanted, when I thought I wanted to learn a new skill, I thought video editing was the new skill I needed to learn. And I was looking for a video in my archive I could use to practice. And it was that video I shot with my friend. So that was how I edited that video. I showed my mom, I showed my sister, and everybody was like, this is so cool. You should start a YouTube channel. <laughs> and that was how I posted that video. So that was my first video ever and um yeah it just came uh, i think i posted that video in march or april and then in june i moved to canada but with all of my challenges i wasn't really able to get into um, youtube that much but my intention was okay if i'm going to get into youtube it would have to be talking about social issues you know public health issues but after all of my woes <laughs> i changed my mind and i said I needed to share my experience, my thoughts, the mistakes I made, you know, um, before coming to Canada and just, you know, let people learn from my life here in Canada. And that was how I, I started to create more content around, you know, living in Canada. And um, yeah, so far, I am I'm starting to do more lifestyle to just, you know, show people what life is like in Canada, especially for an African or for a Nigerian person um and and yeah everybody is in the niche of come to canada fast fast quickest way to come to canada you know but no i i feel like let me not see nobody i feel like not enough uh youtubers or content content creators are talking about real life issues not a lot of YouTubers are talking about childbirth, making these decisions, raising our children, especially as people from African descent, how to stay healthy. And these are the things that I want to touch on the more. How can you live on a budget? How can you enjoy your life even with, you know, without living the dream, without living the so-called Canadian dream? Because in my opinion, there's nothing like the Canadian dream. So, um, yeah, I really want to create more content about real life so that people uh, do not come to Canada and live in this bubble of, you know, just a fake reality they sort of like have mentally created for themselves, you know? Yeah. And I, no, like, I watched a few of your videos, but that's like one of the things I really like it's like you know you focus on those very niche very specific things like you know I like that story about like you were in the U.S. you were asking somebody for the cash machine and they were just like oh you mean the yeah. ATM <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's like yeah. things like that people don't expect it like they don't really yeah, know exactly <laughs> the different cultures yeah it's yeah it's, yeah, it's quite interesting <laughs> <laughs> It's another one of the things that you mentioned in the videos is I was curious about one of the touch on was people mm -hmm. it's like sometimes people come and they may not be able to have, you know, the same level of job or the same employment yes. outlook. So like mm -hmm. say they were a manager back home. Mm -hmm. That may not be the case anymore, I guess. Exactly. How mm -hmm. do people work through this? Do you know if it's been the reality for like people you know? Yes, I actually have uh I have experience with people who came to Canada and they had difficulties with that. And for me, even after having uh, a master's degree in public health, because I didn't study in Canada, they were going to make me do a bridging program. So um, 
yeah it's not really easy getting into your field um especially if it's a regulated uh industry right you will have to do some sort of certification or go back to school somehow or worst case is you have to change your career and i have heard stories about engineers who are ubering um, or working at tim hortons i don't know what's similar to tim hortons in the states starbucks -ish. Uh, it's like dunkin donuts yeah starbucks yeah yeah so i've heard stories about you know people like that and it's it's a serious problem because um it feels like people in specific industries can easily jump on wherever they go like say it um say i don't even know now um accountants they just need to take their licensure exams and yeah. whatnot nurses same thing licensure exams uh lawyers however have sort of like a different process that takes much longer but for me um it's just easy to find another job that gives you some type of satisfaction <laughs> because it might just be really difficult getting into public health if i wanted to so right now because i'm just focusing on family and i'm working with the uh, toronto district school board i'm teaching elementary school kids uh, african history which is perfect for me because i absolutely love uh, you know talking about africa especially being that i was born and raised there for most of my life so it just comes naturally to me uh, doing this job um yeah and i'm hoping that you know um in the future i'm going to be able to get into entertainment or media because i i feel like being a producer con creating content or helping to create content is where my heart is at you mm -hmm. know like i said i wanted to i wanted to you know be a digital public health educator so i feel like that's just right up my alley you know working in the in the mid in media yeah that definitely mm -hmm. works out maybe you can have like a podcast of your own one day you know what <laughs> maybe <laughs> it, it's hard but it's like it, it is a lot of work yeah i can youtube is giving me a lot of work oh yeah you already have it's getting me busy so i think for now clubhouse is doing well so that's true I'm just i'll just get practice with clubhouse and see how that goes that's true no clubhouse has been i think everyone who has a podcast has been on clubhouse or is, is on yeah. clubhouse or is like talking about mm -hmm. clubhouse so it's been all, it's been all the rage yeah yeah but that's really cool that the school board is or sort of has that role for you they try to get in young i think that's very important for society as a whole to have this kind of education embedded in the schools at you know, kind of a young age at elementary school level um before they're four to thirteen. Oh, four, yeah oh, so even beyond that that's that's really good yeah really young because with this opportunity like presented to you to just interview for it that's like oh know, yeah really it good. was it was and the best part of it was um they all they wanted really was my experience as a as a teacher back home in africa so when i finished my my uh my bachelor's degrees um there's this compulsory service thing that we do in Nigeria it's called National Youth Service Corps and um, in that yeah it's more like a paramilitary service like how you just go serve your country you know um, I don't know if you have something similar in the states but yeah it's like a it's like a whole year of service to the government right so um, people are usually uh, graduates are usually placed in different um, organizations to you know do some type of work for me i was sent to a, a government school where i was a teacher so it was really that experience one year of teaching that was very valuable in my interview because they they were like having uh having an ontario teacher certificate is a plus having experience teaching in africa is an asset <laughs> i was like what so that was it and i remember the first year i came to this country i was like i wanted to work for the government but it, it, it felt like you know finding a needle in a haystack like you just came to me yeah. to go, well, what do you mean <laughs> you, you want to work with a girl like what 
So it's funny because after the interview, my reference was one of the places where I had volunteered. So good thing was I volunteered as a med- at a media center where I facilitated a girls program between the ages that I was, um, I was into being interviewed for, right? So I was being interviewed um, for the, 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 the position to teach JK to grade eight. And I had taught, you know, um, grade, I had taught grade six to eight kids at the, at the media center where I volunteered, right? So I called the manager of the media center and I told her that, you know, um, you're my reference for this job and, you know, they'll contact me and they'll contact you. And she was like, wait, what? I've tried for seven years to get into the, this, this school board. What did you do? <laughs> I guess, I'm like, I guess the difference is you're Canadian and I came from Africa. <laughs> so I think that was one time that, you know, my experience, my experience back home made a lot of sense for me and it didn't make me feel bad. Um, yeah, because, yeah, these people make you feel like you don't have any Canadian experience. So you can't easily get a job but actually in actual fact you can get a job without a canadian experience it just depends on the role right yeah no there are like those niche experiences where you have like you may have the right experiences that that job needs or that company needs in that moment Mm -hmm. exactly exactly yeah Yeah. so so getting more like your you know experience in canada i'm curious i know your sister was a big driver but was there anything else that kind of drew you to Toronto specifically or like kind of Canada has like, you know, a bunch of different options, some large cities, mm. one of the you know, largest countries in the world. Like what's kept you in Toronto too? Um, so my sister was number one. And then the second thing for me was the lifestyle. Um, Toronto is a very bubbly, vibrant city. Um, I hate the fact that the cost of living is so high. But the reason why I have still enjoyed living in Toronto, I I mean, I can look past um, all of the negatives. It's just really because I have my friends here. Um, It's easier to move around. Um, Commute is easy. Um, You know, you have more places you can go to. For example, if you wanted to eat foods from any country, almost any country, you can find it in Toronto. I remember when I visited Vancouver um, two years ago, I was dying to eat some African food. There was nowhere around. I'm telling you, there was nowhere around. Excuse me. It was the most frustrating thing ever because (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I can't be in a place where I can't have access to eat because the way I am, when I crave for something, I want it. <laughs> I really want to eat I it so that. bad. I love my food. So it was very frustrating for me. And I wasn't liking that. And for that reason alone, I said, Vancouver is a really cool spot. For that reason alone, I was like, nope, I can't live in Vancouver. I also like to see Black people. In Vancouver, you don't see that many Black people. And that's one of the reasons I like Toronto. In Toronto, there's a lot of diversity and you know in the summertime especially during the festivals you oh, see caravana all the, exactly you <laughs> see all the clothes like it's just the spot everybody comes to toronto you know no it's been so, on my yeah. list but then covid you, what did you say i said it's been like on my list to go to caravana one year oh, like my bucket list but then covid happened yeah i know tons of people from the states come come to caravana yeah it's it's crazy well, I'm hoping everything gets back to normal so that you can come. You absolutely should come. And maybe when you do, uh, I'll, you know, have you on my channel. <laughs> uh, of course, I'll love to I'll be, be there. happy to have you. Yeah. Never been on a YouTube channel before. I need to definitely get a haircut before, before I fly. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'm sure they'll love you all anyway. Yeah, I've been to New York, uh, New Jersey, and Philly. Um yeah those are the only two places okay. i've been to in the states yeah i think you've hit the important ones i think i'm from new york so i'm a big big proponent oh, of new york yeah ah, so i think cool. it's the i don't know i think it's the representative city i think there's still a lot of 
you know, U.S. cities and stuff. Like, California is very important, you know, especially if you want to work in media and entertainment. I feel like you Uh need to experience L.A. like a little bit. Yes, L.A., yeah. Yeah, that's that's the hub. Yeah, Um, New York has the same, Toronto uh, and New York have the same vibe. Okay. Kind of similar, uh, yeah, very similar vibe, yeah. That's what I've heard. Like I really, I, I've actually never been to Canada. I've been like I'm decently traveled, but it's like right, it's like the closest country to me. And I've never been there. It's mm-hmm. gonna be pretty crazy. Yeah. But one one of these days. I'm sure. Trust me, that's so easy. Uh, yeah, it, it's very possible because there are so many uh travel spots that oh, tourist tourist sites in even in toronto i have never been to i have never been to uh niagara falls it's just less than an hour from me and i've never been and it's been almost five years so i feel you no, it's <laughs> like you have your know. entire life it's like yes, i've never I, I, like seen the statue yeah. of liberty and i don't want to <laughs> you, you don't say <laughs> funny <laughs> oh man yeah but anyways how is Boston though yeah, Boston's pretty irregular. It's almost I don't know similar how like you, you described to Vancouver. It's like a very oh, weird okay. scene. Can be a little segregated sometimes, but it's very mm-hmm. student driven. Very like you know, it's like all the great schools are in Boston, and then there's like the law schools, the medical schools, a lot of hospitals, so people are you know, coming for residency. So it's a lot of I don't know. There's like a transient population, and on top of like a local population, that's like right. a weird mix of it all because everyone's being like you know, pushed around with the gentrification and the, like, mm-hmm. there's a yeah. mix of, like, locals who've been there and people who are transplants and then, you know, big developments in the middle of nowhere. There's, like, a, a new district of Boston mm-hmm. called Seaport and it's, like, bars and high-rises and apartments, but it's also, like, just b- random parking lots. It used to just be, like, a warehouse district. So they're just, like, mm-hmm. you know, creating th- like, things. But I don't know. I think it's a pretty regular city. It's, like, one borough of New York. So New York, mm-hmm. that's, like, one of the parts of New York. There's, like, five boroughs, but... Right. Boston has its charm, but I, I, I compare it to New York a lot in its context, but I see why people like Boston, especially if you're an outdoorsy person, there's like a lot a lot to do. But I'm like a brunch and museum person. Right. Do, like we, which part of, you know, New York, the New York area would you, would I mean, you I think, recommend? Honestly, I think every, <laughs> I can't say everything, but... I say definitely see all of the boroughs. I think Brooklyn and Manhattan probably have yeah, okay. a lot of what you need. I, I'm a big, right. I'm from Brooklyn, my family's from Brooklyn, so mm-hmm. I think they have a lot to do in terms of like eating, but like, I think the entertainment in New York, like Broadway, you need to mm-hmm. see a Broadway show, you need to, you know, walk around right. Central Park, okay. like nature, hiking, outdoor, I don't think you're gonna, I don't think you're gonna get a hike in New York, but if you go upstate I'm not, I'm not a hiker. I okay, did a lot of farming as a Nigerian girl. Okay. <laughs> when I when I come abroad, people who who go hiking are people who need to walk. I walk. I've been, been walking all my life. I don't need any hiking. Please keep your hiking oh and camping. Uh, take me to where I can eat food. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But I need somewhere with a margarita, not really a hike. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I mean, New, York, New York has a lot. But there's a. I think even in Canada, there's like a lot of. You know, nature and urban, you know, lot stuff to experience. Yeah, there are many. I love nature. Unfortunately, um, in depends on where though. So we have provinces in, in Canada. We have 10 provinces in Canada. It just really depends on where you are. Um, to, like, I think sort of like, hmm, everywhere in Toronto is being turned from nature to the opposite you know everywhere that has a little bit of green is being turned into a condominium or some you know some sort of thing that is not natural and then you have to pay to go into spaces to see nature isn't that isn't that ironic (laughs) so um yeah it's uh i wouldn't say if you love nature toronto will not be the place for you the east coast i hear is really beautiful so the atlantic provinces like new brunswick um prince edward island and um um uh, what's it called again nova scotia those those types places 
they're very um, beautiful for the greens and the, the farming and all that stuff. I would love to visit because I hear even the air is cleaner. I tell you what, Toronto, I feel like Toronto is so polluted that it just makes the city almost inhabitable for people. Um, in the summertime, in fact, summer, spring, spring is almost here, right? Once it's springtime, all the constructions are starting. The noise, the traffic, everything, it's ridiculous. You can't like just have some peace everywhere. It just stinks of, uh, of, of coal tar, you know? And I noticed something when it rains. I feel sick when it rains in Toronto. So whenever it's raining, I try as much as I, I can to get out of the rain because I will itch. I will have some sort of reaction and I'm like, what is in the air? Yeah, that's, that's, that's how I feel. I don't know if this is normal for everyone or for most people, but that's how I feel. I definitely feel like there is something that is so polluted about the air that just makes it so uncomfortable on my skin you know yeah no i i believe it like moving from like you know your farm to the big toronto there's definitely yeah. something different in there yeah so getting to more into the realm of your experience in canada i did want to ask about you know being black in canada because i feel like people in the u.s they kind of like make their jokes like oh i can just move to canada you know but like is the grass really greener like i want to know yeah there's no racism in so canada <laughs> or maybe there's racism and um it's not, um, it's not like it's it, like it is in the U.S. I I feel I just you know what I just don't pay any mind to people who say stuff like that to me in the com in my comment section on YouTube. I've had people from the states saying, um, because I I had a video on my channel where I talked about being black in Canada, and that I made that video at the time, um the whole George Floyd situation happened in the States, right? So I do feel like there were people who, the, there, were, there were two or there are two types of people in my comment section. The people who watched the video when the video just came out, when there was the Black Lives Matter movement, when the world was in uproar, and the people who suddenly had amnesia and watch that video let me so they watch the video but they had an they had an amnesia <laughs> and you know they became less sensitive because it feels like everybody is so upset for one month two months and something else happens everybody forgets so after a few months i posted that video i think in june or july of 2020 and but towards like the end of the year i started to get a lot of negative comments on my channel um some people even said you know it's not about you being black it's your attitude some oh, people sorry. even said yeah some people said if uh if you hate being in canada so much what are you doing here someone said i should go back to africa um someone said um i don't know what you're doing in canada when africa is so beautiful and <laughs> i these things don't bother me. No, I have a very thick skin. I just, it depends on the type of day I'm having. I respond to some, but some are not worth my response because where do you want to start to cure people's ignorance from? And it's such a shame because most of these people are from the States. Shocker. Like, yeah, it's shocking. Like, and I, so that's why I don't even respond sometimes because I just ask myself, where do I start from? We're definitely suffering from a problem that is bigger than us. This is a real mental problem and it's way bigger than us. Why can't I choose to say, okay, today I want to move my bags and go live in the States and not be fearful that I will not be treated like a human being? Why can't I decide that I want to live in Canada because I want to live in Canada. Why do I have to, you know, be afraid for my life because of what I look like or because of the color of my skin? Why do I have to ask people to respect me? Why do I have to, I, I, don't, I don't know. Because if you're talking of 
you know um this is I, I don't even know how to explain it but this is not a white man's land <laughs> my ancestors fought for this this place the original people of canada the aboriginals the natives they are suffering they are being treated so badly and this is really upsetting because what are you telling me like these people have no right to be here i don't know we're suffering from a bigger problem and i i just don't have the energy because sometimes i know that i can't really articulate how i'm feeling properly and so i just you know bite my tongue or stop my fingers from typing because i know that i don't have the right words you know so i i'm not i'm not as eloquent as i'd like to be <laughs> so i just say you know what yeah let's just leave this alone but good luck to the people who are thinking that coming to canada is going to solve their problem <laughs> yeah it, it's not we're, we're facing the same issues here the only difference is that um because of the type of system we have here it's more systematic right it's more institutional it's not like you see someone trying to be rude to you on the road all the time there are people who try to i remember there was one time i i bought something from an asian man and uh, my hand almost touched his hand and the way he moved his hand you could tell you want my money but you don't you don't want any type of contact it was very odd you know so it, it's in yeah. it's it they didn't have to be vocal about anything it's in the body language it's in how they're behaving towards you it's in that person in your building who sees you in the elevator and tells you they'll take the next one do you oh, get God. what i mean yeah. it's it's in you know i remember one time i was trying to get a place i had to get my friend who had uh who has a british accent to make the call for me because I know there is no way I'm going to make this call uh, and this person will not know that I'm African. So I had to do that. And this was months and months after looking for a place with no success. Right? So these are the issues. These are the issues. They, they are real, you know, and nobody's, nobody's making anyone accountable for anything. Even even at work, even with policies, you know, on discrimination and whatnot, we're still struggling to to fight this. So it's there. Yeah. It's very it's very much embedded in the system, and so we are fighting the same battles. Only that, yeah, you might not see the type of uproar. And I mean, you cannot compare a population of over two hundred and fifty million people to a population of thirty million people. Or okay, right now we are we are over forty million people right there's a there's a huge difference there if there were that many people in canada you would see you you could actually compare the statistics any unrecorded um you know racial discriminatory events you know here nobody really reports that stuff because it's really it's embarrassing and because you have so many immigrants here they just go into their shell you know some of them don't yeah. even know their rights you have many refugees who don't even know, like they, they, they are just trying to settle here. They don't know what, what their rights are. They feel like, oh, it's a privilege right. for me to be here. So anything that comes my way, I can take it. But me, I have knowledge of what should be normal and what should not be normal. So if I'm being discriminated against, I can be vocal about it. But how about the person who does not have a voice or who does not even understand or who does not even know when they are being discriminated against? Because honestly, some people don't. Like when I was new, my, my first experience was even in church. There was this old uh, man who came to me, uh, a Caucasian man. He came to me and he, you know, after church, they were like, oh, let's introduce ourselves and whatnot. And I introduced myself. He asked me where I was from and I told him I was from Nigeria. And then he goes, oh, so you're from that country where people send me emails asking for, for money and, and oh, stuff. Oh, God. Like, yeah. And then his wife was trying so hard to cut in to stop him from embarrassing himself and she had the gut to try to remedy the situation by asking me for thanksgiving dinner 
Oh god, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, that's like the last thing you'd fucking want. You know, that, <laughs> that was that was something that took me hours to process. I knew something was wrong. Do you get what I mean? It was my first, no, actually, was it my first, it, my first time in Canada because it happened to me in the UK where two, two ladies were bullying me. Actually, I've had, I've had several, I've had, the UK is a completely different subject. But any, anyways, I, I feel like it happened differently, maybe because of where it happened, maybe because it was in church. I wasn't quite in that headspace of seeing it for what it was. You get what I mean? So I think that was why it took me a while to process what was going on. And I, I kept on thinking about it. It's like, and she gave me her number and her home address. <laughs> oh my goodness, that was funny. Yeah, but yeah. It's it's in those little things, the mm-hmm. microaggression and, and whatnot. Yeah, but yeah, it's real in Canada. Nobody should just should doubt it. No, yeah, thank you for clearing that up because I feel like a lot of people think it's just, you know, not a problem, and it does exist in Canada. And I feel like it's very easy for people in Canada to be like, oh, at least we're not the U.S. because we're such a fucking mess. But it's it's still mm-hmm. a problem. Yeah, it's still a problem. You shouldn't be normal, whether it's whether it's in a small, um, small. Whether how do I say whether the occurrence of events are, are are just small or not, it shouldn't be normal. That thing shouldn't be normal. And then the biggest the biggest excuse people come up with is, oh please, oh I remember there was a comment that said, oh please get over yourself. I I I. I got discriminated against by black people. And so it was a black person. So see, we're not talking black on black crimes or black on black, whatever here. We as people of African descent, we have our own struggles within our community. I am talking about discrimination because of the color of your skin, because like how, how does this look normal to you? Anybody can, can do whatever like, but, but, can we not miss the context here? So people just try to make it about whatever they want to try to make it make it about. And because I don't really have the right words to articulate, you know, what I'm really saying or what I'm thinking, I just let you go. But yeah, they, I, I, I've, been, I've been attacked and I'm like, it doesn't matter. It's not going to stop me from saying my truth. And you cannot negate my my personal experience because it didn't happen to you. Because that's another thing, right? Oh, you went to the hospital and, you know, nurses or doctors behave like this towards you. It's probably because they were busy. It happens in the hospitals all the time. You were not there. You were not the one on the receiving end. Can you not... Um, can you not make my pain or whatever I was feeling at the time? Basically, do not discredit, do not discredit my experience because it didn't happen to you, right? Don't discredit what I'm saying. It's my own personal or personally lived experience. So you can't take that away from me. Yeah. And that's something that I feel like people need to understand, you know, when talking about issues about, you know, issues surrounding race and discrimination. And it's okay. And that this, here's one thing I, I, I also say. As a white person, um, they feel like, oh, because they go on walks with Black Lives Matter or because they raise their voices to talk about Black issues means that they understand. Don't say you understand because you don't. Because there are even some Black people who don't understand. Right? Um, so don't even say that you, you, you get, you have never been there. You don't know what it feels like. And the, 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 the comparison some black people, some white people make is, oh, well, you suffered. Me too. I had a rough childhood, but no, yeah, you can suffer. Are they making about class? Exactly. They make it about class. But the truth is the stats are there. You still have your own privileges. You can't tell me that you understand what it means for me to be a black person just because you had a rough childhood, you know? Oh, I, I suffered abuse as well. Like, don't try to compare your own experiences so that you feel like you measure up because you don't. It's not a competition. It's okay for you to say, you know what? I don't understand, but I can empathize because really that's all that you can do. 
you can you can't say because you're married to a black man you know what it feels like to be black in a society like america or canada you don't you sleep with this person on the same bed you have children together but the truth is you don't know what he what he's what he faces on a daily basis you don't know what your children are going to face and you can only prepare yourself to support them you cannot say that i know how you're feeling or i know what you're going through no i'm sorry you can and i feel like it's insulting when people actually say i'm white but i'm not racist <laughs> don't say that please white people dare white people help yourselves never say that to a black person but i'm white i love black people i'm not yeah, racist it's really suspect yeah <laughs> it, it makes it makes me suspect you just keep your feelings to yourself we're not trying to say i love everyone i respect everyone and unfortunately when people hear me speak i think they get the idea of she doesn't like white people oh, i respect everyone just don't come in my face with your bs if you're ignorant that's all that's all i'm asking you for if you cannot have a conversation and keep your mind open let's not have this let's not have this talk oh yeah you see the world as black and white okay i don't see the world as black and white when the police stops me what does the police see the world as please tell me so i'm not to say all the all everyone in the police is you know that way or anything like that but the fact that you actually have to be fearful when you get stopped is a problem is a problem and that's the reality of being a black person living abroad unfortunately well said you just uh, put together a lot of feelings that a lot of black people face in north across north america even probably in europe it's looking forward now that you've been in canada for about four years you know if you look back on your journey like what's the main piece of advice that you'd give to an immigrant you know in similar shoes to you maybe arriving in canada for the first time well i will just say you know um be yourself um do not do not immerse yourself too quickly in a, in a culture that you don't understand because it's so easy for you to feel like you have to change who you are to fit in um i remember you know wanting to i, I was reviewing my resume with a professional and they asked me to change my name from titi lola to my you know my hebrew name um ruth uh, because Titi Lola will not get me through the door for an interview. <laughs> and um, yeah, that was actually a, a shock for me. Um, and I, I said, you know what, this is the reason why I'm not going to change it. I want to see what's going to happen. And so I just continue to be myself. I left my name the way it was. And God bless me. It was my being African that actually got me a job, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, don't try to be who you're not because at the end of the day, when you lose yourself, you become someone else, someone that you're not. And it just it's really hard for you to live a happy life being someone who you're not because at the end of the day you come to your you, you you will know you know when you look at yourself in the mirror you know that this is who i really am and whatever i've been is just a lie so own yourself be proud of who you are if you're an african person as an african person myself i'm proud of my heritage i'm proud of who i am i'm proud of how i speak i may not say the words that you know I may not say the words the way they're supposed to be pronounced. Actually, I've been told on my YouTube channel that I don't speak good English. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the things I've had to one of the I, things I've had to laugh at because I find it laughable because I know that eloquence in English is not a measure of intelligence, so it doesn't bother me. So I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of everything that I embody that I represent. So I would say, be confident in yourself. And anybody, an employer, someone who wants to be your friend, or, you know, um, someone you 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 want to do a collaboration with, people always see through authentic people. 
I would just say keep an open mind when it comes to opportunities. You may need to change your career. Be yourself, have fun, meet people, get help if you feel like you need help. Um, whether it's financial aid, uh, if it's if you need to go to a food bank, I feel like there is this notion about you know Africans going to a food bank. It's like, oh, I'm suffering, I don't have food, I'm going to a food. Like there are resources that can help you settle. Look for information and find resources that can help you settle down. There are people that you can talk to that can help you feel better, that have been through what you're going through. If you have, if you're going through a hard time. Closed mouths do not get fed. Speak to people. And um, yeah, I'll just really say have fun. The world is your oyster. <laughs> Be you. I think it's one so cool that you got a job just for just like having your experience or just having your life. It's what it's what they wanted. It's a job that like your friend wanted too, like a, a role that they covered it. Yeah. yeah. So we're coming up on the end of the interview. So I'm going to ask you, the question that I ask every single guest is your <laughs> migration journey over. Is Canada home for now or do you imagine returning back home to Nigeria? Oh, of course I, I imagine returning back home. <laughs> <laughs> Canada, what? I don't plan to retire here at all. This is, I, I definitely know in my spirit that this is not the place I'm supposed to leave my old aging. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have, I have that that vision in my mind. Makes sense. Think of every guest I've had. You, you were like the fastest to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> because nah, and I love I love my home country. I know that I'm here for a while, and when my purpose of being here has been established, I know that home is calling me. My my spirit, soul, and body supposed to be home. Live, and die at home and be buried at home that's that's that that's going to be my joy oh, i know yeah. i know that'll happen i hope you'll fulfill your what you need to do in canada before going back home to nigeria yeah yeah i, I pray i pray so well thank you so much lola it was great hearing from you getting your insight and just thank your candid you so opinion much. on everything i really appreciate it I, i'm excited for this episode to come out thank you so much for having me i had a good time chatting with you of course. All right. Have a good one. <laughs> yeah, you too. Take care now. Wasn't that great? Hope anyone listening got a lot from that conversation, especially how, you know, just how honest Lola got about the Black experience and specifically the Black immigrant experience. It's not something that I myself can understand or relate to, but, you know, like she said, I can definitely empathize and try to understand as best as possible. But isn't the intersectionality of things quite interesting? It can really change your experience, just if one part of your identity is changed, or just, you know, both of them can amplify, depending on where you are, what you're doing, who you're around. It's very contextual. That said, I hope you all enjoyed today's episode with Lola. If you want more from her, you can follow her on Instagram at Lola Black Official, or you can follow her YouTube channel, which is linked in the show notes and similarly named Lola Black, where again, she creates migration-focused content. As always, we'll be back and I will continue to take you all around the world. Do you have any country suggestions? If so, please let me know. Hit up us on the DMs and social media. Do what you need to do. Hit up our email. It's on the website. Because I'm really trying to check off more stamps on this podcast passport. If you liked what you heard today and want some more, please subscribe where you get your favorite podcast. Rate us five stars. Leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Factor. Maybe follow us on Twitter, same at, Factor. If you're bored and just like my voice and want to hear me ramble sometimes, you can follow me on Clubhouse at Aiden D. Nice, A-I-D-A-N-D-N-I-C-E. Until next time, and as always, have a good one.